multiple platforms. You'll find us everywhere, every corner of the state of Nebraska. Kansas, we've got you covered. Eastern Colorado, South Dakota, Iowa. Thank you for tuning in and listening in on the midday program on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dirk Christensen. We've got Jason. We've got Bob. We've got Jesse Harding with Ag Headlines. That's right. And coming up at the 1213, we'll just... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have to stop the show right here because we have an announcement that needs to be made on a regional basis here. <laughs> and that is it's no longer a secret. The, it's right. It's out. It's it's above board. We don't longer have to use false names to protect the innocent. <laughs> Jesse Harding has been proposed to. That's right. Did you accept? Hey. I did. Hey! <laughs> what a lucky guy. Yep, this past weekend we were up at the Niobrara State Park and boyfriend, now fiancé, oh. got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. Oh, and I deal. said yes. Can we have his name? Casey Campbell. All right. Casey, yep. way to go. Yeah, you got a good go. one. <laughs> I'm way excited. I, I bet, bet you are. Yeah, she could hardly contain herself. She sealed us sealed us to silence here the last couple of days. Did you just say yes, or was it like when you were with us? It's like, okay, is that it? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just said yes. He, he wanted to make sure that I said yes, oh and I did. So She's I'm very, ex- nice. very, very excited. Well, congratulations. Now Thank you've you. got 15 seconds to do that. <laughs> we'll talk about pollinators and Australian beef exports from Australia into China at the 1213. For the 1219, I'm going to be joined with Representative Adrian Smith. Uh, he is participating in Farm Bill listening sessions this week. Yesterday, he was in Broken Bow. We'll discuss how those are going. For the newsmaker, Joe Gangwish is with Sarah Schlund of UNL Extension uh, discussing the crops this year and weeds in soybeans. We'll also have at the 117 Susan Littlefield, who is with Alan Tiemann. He's the past chairman of the U.S. Grains Council discussing the importance of trade and of NAFTA. Very nice. Thank you very much. Yes. Jason Jorgensen following early football. That's right. Uh, we'll hear what the Huskers have been up to in practice. Of course, they are expecting a big year out of defensive back Joshua Kalu, who is moving from cornerback to safety, but defensive coordinator Bob Diaco feels that position suits him to a T. Also, we will hear from New Indiana head coach Tom Allen. Of course, he's taking over the Hoosier program. They've been okay, but... Not great, and uh, he has some high hopes for that program. We'll get his thoughts from Big Ten Football Media Days. And uh, one of the legends of college football, Era Parsegian, took over a floundering Notre Dame football program, returned them to glory in the 60s and 70s. He's passed away this morning at the age of 94. I remember him, he was before my time watching football as a coach, I remember him being an announcer on CBS in afternoons when he uh, was a pretty good college football analyst back in the day. All around, and legend is the word, exactly. Bob Brogan on business. Big news, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was trading over 22,000 points for the first time. And that was driven by a big gain in Apple. It's since fallen back a little bit. Uh, Also, the NASDAQ uh, and the Standard & Poor's was down at last check. Moving on to other things, a private survey has found that U.S. businesses added a whole bunch of jobs in July, about 178,000. Apparently, that was well-received. And uh, also, in other news, uh, President Trump pushing for immigration changes. All right. All these stories and lots more coming your way today on Midday. 
Paul Perkins is here with Ag Weather, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Boy, it just keeps on feeling a lot like, I don't know, fall, I guess. Yeah, you know, it always seems to kind of start trending a lot of times towards the cooler side and a little bit wetter side in the month of August, and it looks like that will hold true definitely this year, especially in our long-term forecast. A little bit of light rain right now over northwest and north-central Nebraska on into Cherry County and also in between Arthur and Bridgeport. A little bit of light rain that continues to die down into the northeast corner of uh, Lincoln County this morning. And right now, those temperatures in most locations, mid to upper 70s, in those more cloud-covered areas of west-central Nebraska where they've seen some rain, temperatures right now in the low half of the 70s. So thunderstorms possible today. Thanks to a trough of low pressure, that's just ahead of a cold front. That trough of low pressure will continue to move to the east and be the focal point for a few showers and thunderstorms for today. A few of these storms could be severe this afternoon and tonight with strong winds and hail as the main threat. And the Storm Prediction Center placing much of central and west central Nebraska and also northeast Colorado and now northwest Kansas in a slight risk for severe storms. Keep it, post, uh, keep it right here and we will keep you posted. Temperatures ahead of this cold front will warm today once again to near seasonal levels. We'll be just shy of what we usually see this time of year. Thunderstorms, though, likely tonight as that strong cold front drops to the southeast. Some high pressure pushes in from the north for tomorrow with some much cooler and less humid air that will last on into Friday. Morning lows by Friday in many locations expected to cool to the low 50s. Another area of low pressure and a front will track to the east Friday night and Saturday. And another likely chance of some thunderstorms Saturday. Looking at the potential, especially if this system slows up enough, of being a rainout on Saturday. We will, of course, know more as the week goes on. In case you have some outdoor plans for Saturday, could be a bit on the wet side. Temperatures will remain much cooler than normal as we move through the weekend. High pressure clears out the skies for Sunday and early next week. A gradual warming trend underway on Monday. In the latest long-term forecast, a high likelihood of cooler than normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas for Monday through August 15th. That's due to the presence of a very large trough of low pressure. That low pressure trough forecast to keep much of the eastern three-fourths of the country cooler than normal with above normal temperatures remaining in the far western U.S. Above normal rainfall in the cards for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through the 15th. In the markets today, the weather factors include a mixed rain forecast across the Midwest and continued drought in the Canadian prairies. A series of cold fronts will reinforce a turn towards cooler than normal conditions in much of the central and eastern U.S. The fronts will also focus the thunderstorms from the plains eastward. Record-breaking heat will persist in the next week across much of northern California and the Pacific Northwest. That's where all-time record highs could be threatened. And some towns, like Seattle, a lot of people don't have air conditioning, so it's a big shock to everybody there. It's a variable rain forecast in the Midwest. Conditions will be generally favorable in the western Midwest for the filling of corn and soybeans. There are going to be, though, some significant dry areas still existing in Iowa as the crop ratings fall. It's still too wet in Indiana and Ohio, and more rain is expected there. There was some light rain in the northern plains yesterday into today with a few more showers forecast this week. Much of the rain, though, in the northern plains, a little bit too late, little too late after some crop-withering heat and drought caused the extensive losses to their spring wheat, and more losses are expected for row crops. It continues to be very dry with much above normal temperatures in the Canadian prairies. Southern Saskatchewan, they recorded their driest July 
in all of their 130 years of record keeping. The conditions will continue the stress for heading and filling a spring wheat in the Canadian prairies. No change in crop weather for Ukraine and Russia. Dry conditions in central and north central Ukraine will reduce their crop production. It's favorable, though, in Russia, where early wheat harvest reports indicate higher yields than last year. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Of course, your Ranky dealer, and now Goodland has chipped in here with a, an outlook that says scattered thunderstorms are expected to develop across eastern Colorado and southwest Nebraska. By late this afternoon, those will spread into northwest Kansas. And they're talking, Paul, about some storms could become severe during the evening along and north of a line from Cheyenne Wells. That's in Colorado to Norton, Kansas. Pretty long line. And large hail damaging winds, the main threats to the north of that line. Yeah, northwest Kansas just getting added to that slight risk uh, recently for severe storms by the Storm Prediction Center. So, yeah, central and west central Nebraska. Northeast Colorado and northwest Kansas, the higher likelihood of severe storms. Stay with us for the latest all during the day and all during the night when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. Taking a look at agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Australian authorities have vowed to, quote, move heaven and earth, end of quote, to avoid a temporary ban on some beef exports to China lasting several months. Joe Gangwish has more. Government officials in Australia concede there's a risk a ban on some of their beef exports to China could last several months. China's quarantine agency raised concerns last week over labels on some boxes of exported beef that don't match packet labels inside. While they agreed to accept meat sent from Australia before July 24th, the suspension has affected six processors. An audit of those processing companies is now complete, and a report will be given to Chinese authorities within next week. It'll detail Australia's account of what happened in a program to remedy the issue. That's according to Australia's Department of Ag Secretary Daryl Quinn. He said the matter was being taken seriously and the firms involved accept that there is quite a genuine problem that needs fixing. And Quinlevin said a number of exporting countries, including Canada and Germany, have had their trade suspended for similar breaches over the past year. And in one of those cases, the ban lasted several months. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Members and delegates of the U.S. Grains Council deliberated priorities and activities during meetings on Tuesday of the organization's advisory teams. One discussion was the unified voice. Susan Littlefield has more. Having a unified voice and telling the story of exports is important to those in attendance in Vancouver, Washington. Alan Tiemann, who is past president of the U.S. Grains Council, says that that export has a big impact back on the farm somewhere between one and three and one and four rows uh, that are planted of in in of corn go to the export market so it's you know it's a huge huge deal after the market day we've had uh here lately uh you know some some major downturns in, in the markets uh exports become even more important you know it's just great for uh us to have this opportunity for Everyone across uh, all the commodities of barley, grain sorghum, and corn, and the ethanol industry, and agribusiness, to all get together and and have this unified voice on exports. Uh, we're, we're all on the same page and uh, really appreciate all the hard work that's being put in by everyone. This Grains Council wrapping up their meeting today in Vancouver, Washington. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. 
Senator Pat Roberts, chairman of the U.S. Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry, will be the special guest at the Kansas Governor's Summit on Agriculture Growth, which will take place Thursday, August 24th. Senator Roberts will join agriculture leaders from across the state at the second annual event. The 2017 summit will focus on sector-specific desired growth outcomes for 19 sectors of agriculture, ranging from beef and wheat to specialty livestock, unmanned aerial systems, as well as industry-wide topics that affect all sectors. The Ag Growth Summit will take place Thursday, August 24th at the Manhattan Conference Center at the Hilton Garden Inn. Participation in the summit and and the social is free and open to the public, but registration is requested by August 10th to guarantee lunch at the summit or dinner for the social event. More information can be found by talking to the Kansas Department of Agriculture. And EIA data says ethanol production averaged 1.002 million barrels per day. That's down 9,000 barrels from the previous week. That's a look at agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Taking place yesterday in Broken Bow, Congressman Adrian Smith held a Farm Bill listening session. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is a representative. Why don't you tell us first a little background and reason why you're doing these listening sessions? Sure. Well, the Farm Bill listening sessions allow me an opportunity to hear from producers, hear from consumers, uh, what's working, uh, what isn't. And so we know that complexities of this situation, we want to have a thoughtful approach. And so uh, producers telling me what's on their minds right now, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, what maybe hasn't worked out so well under the current Farm Bill, how we can change that moving forward if necessary. There's a lot of concerns recently about the crop insurance, but what are some of those things specifically that you are hearing about? Well, crop insurance, I hear from producers uh, that they don't want to see it undermined. Having crop insurance in place uh, allows the federal government to avoid making ad hoc disaster payments. I think we actually end up saving money, taxpayer dollars, because the crop insurance approach is, I think, a a much more consistent and thoughtful approach. Premiums are paid in before a a claim would would go out, obviously, and uh, I, I just think it's a much more prudent approach than just waiting for disasters to happen and then Congress takes a political vote and may or may not address a situation. When it comes to trade, there's still a lot of concerns about the Trump administration. Most recently, we've heard about some tariffs from Japan. Where are we kind of standing when it comes to the things that you're involved in? Japan increasing tariffs on U.S. beef uh, is a concern not only producers, but I think our ag economy in general. But this all speaks to the need. We need to move forward on a a trade agreement with Japan. Let's get these things worked out. Agriculture is one part of it, very important, I might add, both on Japan's end as as well as ours. Japan is a a major economy. So is ours. I think uh, further engagement economically would would serve both of our countries and certainly, I think, bring uh, more prosperity here to the U.S. agriculture economy. What are some of those other things that you're hearing from producers as you're taking part in these listening sessions? The complexity of, of federal policies, whether it's you know this waters of the U.S. situation that is still so confusing. I mean, that speaks to why the, the new administration is looking to roll that back, start over, bring clarification uh, through, through true uh, clarity, not just an overreach by the federal government through the executive branch. But overall, though, it's, it is that complexity. It becomes burdensome uh, to opportunity. 
moving forward. And uh, But also we, we want to celebrate how far we've come uh, with being able to feed our country and to help feed the world. There are a lot of, I think, positive stories, he, even amidst uh, some, some struggling dynamics with the ag economy. Uh, let's uh, look to what is working and let's build markets, grow markets, and, and grow opportunity along the way. When it comes to the 2018 Farm Bill, how are you going to be involved and what are some of the things that you will be working on with it? Well, looking at you know all 12 titles of, of the Farm Bill, uh, whether it's the trade title, whether it's the commodity title, crop insurance, uh, others, uh, rural development, this is an important topic, obviously, not just for what I would call Ag America, but for consumers as well. We have an affordable food policy uh, as a country. Other countries don't have that. Let's uh, leverage that, hopefully, uh, for an approach to where uh, the economics of uh, agriculture production are, are viable and, and are show that uh, there is opportunity for the future. And I know that amidst the struggles right now, we, we need to be mindful of that uh, moving forward. We've been talking with Representative Adrian Smith, who is currently hosting listing sessions in the state of Nebraska. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and time to check Midday Sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks. Well, the Husker football team wrapped up its third day of fall camp this morning. This fall, senior Joshua Kalu is moving to safety after spending his first three years with the Huskers as a cornerback. And defensive coordinator Bob Diaco feels Kalu is poised to have a big season. But in my mind, there's no doubt that he is and or will be one of the best safeties in the country, if not the very best safety in the country. And, and furthermore... The safeties are really premier positions in our defense. So in our defensive system, it's a big, big deal to have great safety play. Now the Huskers are scheduled to be back on the practice field tomorrow morning as they continue their first week of training camp. Tom Allen is already putting his stamp on Indiana football. The first-year coach has installed a new offense, instilled a different attitude, and created a more player-friendly environment as practice got underway. Now, that softer approach might make some old-school coaches wince, and Allen has high hopes for the Hoosier program as he takes over. It's been 50 years since we won the Big Ten. It's been 26 years since we won a bowl game. It's been 10 years since we had a winning season at Indiana. We're going to accomplish all three of those, I told our team. If you don't believe that, you need to leave. Allen was promoted from defensive coordinator in early December after Kevin Wilson resigned amid reports of player mistreatment. Era Parsegian, who took over a floundering Notre Dame football program and restored it to glory with two national titles in 11 seasons, has died. He was 94. He had recently returned to his home in Granger, Indiana, after spending more than a week in a nursing care facility. He was treated for an infection in his surgically repaired hip. Parsegian and the Irish won titles in 1966 and 1973, but he abruptly retired after the 1974 season at the age of 51 with a record of 95-17-4. Ryan Clady has retired after a nine-year NFL career that was beset by injuries. He thanked the Broncos and team owner Pat Bullen for bringing him to an organization where he was blessed to experience eight great years, four Pro Bowls, and a world title. Clady was a first-round pick in 2008 and had spent last year with the New York Jets. And North America's best soccer players take on a top international team tonight in Chicago. Major League Soccer's All-Stars will host Real Madrid at sold-out Soldier Field, capping a three-day celebration of the sport. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
There is a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 4 o'clock today, mostly sunny with a high near 85 west winds at 5 to 10. For tonight, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly between 7 p.m. and 4 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low of around 60. And then for Thursday, a 10% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 7 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 75 north winds at 10 to 15. A trial is taking place today at Dawson County District Court dealing with Dennis Brown and the Gothenburg Airport Authority. Brown is accusing the Airport Authority of of wrongful termination and breach of contract. The Airport Authority says that Brown verbally resigned on September of 2013. Brown says that he actually never resigned. Brown and his wife Carol are seeking to receive compensation for the breach of contract and personal damages from the Airport Authority for harming their reputation. The school year is just around the corner, and Dr. John Hawkinson is the superintendent of schools in Lexington. He says that Lexington's unique situation makes the English language learner program very important to the school. We had 153 immigrants into our school system this last year, and almost 1,000 kids in our system still qualify as English language learners which really sets Lexington apart from a lot of other uh, districts in the state. And we're just finding that we've got a huge number of kids that, that come to us, don't know how, don't have language skills, and then how, how can we best serve them? And that's a tough nut to crack, but it's a goal that we're going to have uh, going forward. We want to have the best ELL program in the state. We're one of those districts that just has a tremendous number of those students. Hawkinson reported that reading assessments have shown that the school has made great strides over the last few years to increase proficiency in the diverse district. The Affordable Care Act has seen many insurance companies defect from the exchange this year. Alan Jenkins, an economics professor at UNK, explains the basic economics behind this. How many insurance companies are going to go into those sparsely populated Sandhills counties and go to the trouble and the expense of setting up a preferred provider network? We know how many. Uh, One, you can't change the fundamental characteristics of the Sandhills. There are counties that have fewer people than there are in some apartment buildings in New York City. So if you're a capitalist, if you're interested in making some money in the insurance business, are you spending your time in Rock County, Nebraska, or are you spending your time in urban areas? Currently, Medica is the only insurance company in Nebraska's exchange. In severe storm season, remember, the weather watch never sleeps. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. We're going to visit with Sarah Schlund. She is the University of Nebraska Crops and Water Extension Educator for Dawson, Buffalo, and Hall Counties. We're going to talk about some weedy soybeans showing up again this year. For those soybeans that are still the traditional Roundup Ready or uh, Roundup Ready to Yield soybeans out there, Sarah, I'll raise my hand. I'm Joe. I have weedy beans this year. (laughs) So for the guys that don't have Extend beans, we're seeing... A weed problem is it more resistance or some other things going on out there uh, it could be a variety of different things going out there Joe I mean we definitely saw some issues last year I know I was new to the county last year and so just trying to you know meet and greet people and see what are going out you know the traditions are out there for for farmers and one of the things that we see out there is a lot of pigweed problems and you say pigweed and a lot of people just think it's one well that's false in the state of Nebraska we actually have quite a few and it depends on where you're at in the state you know panhandle the southeast it, it varies and so right in the center 
winner here. The three major ones that we see as pigweed issues are redroot pigweed, common water hemp, and of course the big one that everybody's been talking about is palmer amaranth. And you oftentimes start to see those on the field borders, and eventually, if you don't manage them, they go into the field. And we're starting to see, I mean, even from last year to this year, more of that. It goes farther into the field. And so there's a few different things we can talk about there is that one thing, it could just be an applicator or a mechanical error that happens. You don't get good coverage when you go out there and spray. And so maybe you just had one escape. It just got out there and you missed it. Very, very common human error. You know, it's not hard to do that. Um, another thing could have been, well, you need to save some money this year with the economy and the farming community that the way that it was. Well, maybe you wanted to use a little bit less of an herbicide. And, you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes it gets you in the end. So make sure that you follow label rates and uh, keep the mixture as, as hot as it needs to be, in a sense. That way you get good coverage, good uptake, and hopefully good plant death of your weeds. The third option, of course, though, is resistance. And that is something that, you know, we are starting to see more of here in Nebraska, especially when you talk about glyphosate, and that's your active ingredient in your Roundup, your Touchdown high-tech type of products. And in 2016, in Thayer County, Nebraska, they had it officially reported for glyphosate resistance in Palmer Amaranth, one of those pigweed species. And so that's definitely concerning. And in Nebraska alone, for glyphosate, we have six different weed species. And uh, common water hemp, palmer amaranth, kochia, mare's tail, giant ragweed, and common ragweed are all the problems that we're seeing them in. But that palmer is especially concerning because you look at the southern parts of the United States, Arkansas area, a lot of resistance issues down there, not only to one herbicide, but multiple that's your multiple herbicide resistance packages, you know, those issues that they're facing. And if we can avoid that at all costs, that would be wonderful up here. But sometimes it doesn't always work that way. And so when we look at that, it's important to not only manage, you know, one type of herbicide, but all of them. Because you have two basic parts here. You have your mode of action and you have your site of action. And we talk about herbicide resistance, those two phrases come up very, very frequently. Your mode of action are, you know, the steps that take place from the application to the movement inside the plant to eventual plant death. And your site of action is the location inside. It's, you know, usually an enzyme in a metabolic pathway that is targeted that allows for death to eventually occur. And so you need to rely on mixing those modes of action and swapping out those sites of actions that are being targeted to help avoid the resistance from occurring. Sarah Schlund is with us, University of Nebraska Extension. You know, last year it got so hot in June, we saw some of those weeds harden off. They didn't take up the herbicide like they were supposed to. It got hot in June again this year. Did we see the same thing? It's very possible. I mean, in June, July, like you said, it got hot. It got very hot, and the crops were definitely stressed. And crops and weeds are a lot like people. When it's hot, I don't want to do anything either. And, you know, a lot of people have that reverse. They think, well, it's hot and it's dry. You know, the plants are already stressed. We're just going to go out there and zap them with some herbicide and call it good because they're already down, hit them when they're down. Well, not necessarily. If that plant is stressed, it's going to close itself up and it's not going to take up that herbicide like it should. And so that's why it's really important is that, you know, make sure 
things are going well out there in the field before you invest in making that herbicide application because it's very possible you could spray, it's not going to take it up and translocate it, and then all of a sudden you're going to have weeds out there. And maybe some of them did get hit a little bit, and maybe then you're going to see some resistance issues there. It's all very possible. What I heard you saying before, uh, it's important to manage those weeds on the perimeter areas of your field because, as you said, that they can creep in, especially, uh, you know, if you do have uh, some palmer because they're, they're very prolific. Yes, absolutely. They are very prolific. They produce a lot of seeds, especially on those field borders because, you know, the competition's more inside of the field, but they have to get their foot in the door some way. And so they go from the borders and they eventually creep their way in. And, you know, if we don't catch that in time, and, you know, we did see quite a bit of this last year. I was very happy with the farmers that they did have an issue in their field, but they managed it last year by not combining those spots in the field. Because once you combine it, that seed can go everywhere. And studies have shown that most of the time when you have a palmer amaranth plant that's already produced seeds, the seeds are going to drop straight down. They're very dense. But as soon as it runs through the combine, game's over. Who knows where they're going to end up. That is Sarah Schlund, Extension Crops and Water Educator for Dawson, Hall, and Buffalo Counties with us talking about cleaning up those weedy soybean fields this year. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Time to check the closing livestock numbers with Joe Teal from Great Plains Commodities. He'll give us uh, his analysis today on the CME livestock. And Joe, we kind of languished around a little bit. Nice surge towards the end. What was going on at the CME today? Yeah, nice surge in the end in the cattle. The uh, hogs pretty much just climbed all day long. I mean, right from the get-go. Um, and ended up uh, with triple-digit gains in both cattle, hogs, and feeders. So a pretty uh, pretty positive day, and it was a, a pretty decent climb in the cattle uh, as they kind of languished all day. We were both sides, back and forth, back and forth, and then here at the end of the day uh, got a little uh, surge, and I think uh, because the cutouts were a little bit higher, I think maybe we had a couple of uh, cattle sales, but uh, unconfirmed at this point, but the anticipation was that we would be at least steady, well, considering the discounts, that uh, would bring on some short covering uh, once again. So uh, pretty positive uh, finish with, like I say, triple-digit gains in the cattle and the feeders. And the hogs had some uh, triple-digit gains too, but that came right from the beginning. Cash seemed to be uh, a little bit weaker, but, you know, the gap between uh, the index and the uh, nearby August, and it's now we are in the month of August, is a little bit wide. So... Uh, obviously uh, trying to close that gap and then you go back to the deferred contracts and the gap is very big so uh, positive day cutouts uh, were uh, back up again so that helps matters uh, so positive day for livestock uh, on the Wednesday if you'd like to chat more about livestock with Joe Teal call 800-328-0134 this is the Rural Radio Network U.S. Grains Council holding their summer meeting in Vancouver, Washington this week with over 300 in attendance. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. One of those attendees is Alan Tiemann, past chairman of the U.S. Grains Council. So yeah, the U.S. Grains Council uh, 
summer delegates meeting here. Uh, we're, we're listening to speakers. We had the opportunity yesterday to hear from Darcy Vetter and uh, her passion for trade and, you know, really trying to inspire all of us to, to go back and, and talk to leadership and administration on, on the need for trade and how important it is and, and the things like foreign market development funds and market access program funds that are allocated through the farm bill. Uh, that's, that's been a real main focus of, of a lot of what we've talked about at this meeting are those funds because they are so important to what we do around the world and funding, funding what the Grains Council does and, and so many other cooperators that uh, a lot of agriculture in Nebraska relies on, like U.S. Meat Export Federation or the United Soybean Export Council. We all rely on those funds uh, for for market development around the world. And, and the return on investment on those dollars is just fantastic. We do a great job with the dollars that we get uh, with those from from uh, the Foreign Market Development Fund. Is there some optimism out there as to where we're going to be with trades and so much of it, NAFTA um, discussions with, with South Korea, et cetera, have been on, on the block? You know, TPP's kind of kind of falling away right now, and we really don't, the, you know, not a lot of optimism or anything moving forward in TPP, but we're really focused on NAFTA right now because that's, that's something that we're right in the middle of here. Uh, and uh, we've had... Uh, uh, leaders from the U.S. Grains Council in Washington, D.C., uh, go give testimony on, on what's really happening there and how important those two countries, uh, Canada and Mexico, are to the U.S. And, and we are losing market share just because of the uncertainty. Uh, we've lost 4 to 7% uh, market share out of Mexico already, and they're going to South America because they don't know what is going to come out of NAFTA. They're already looking at uh, other sources. So it's it's critically important that we 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 re, although we 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 still have NAFTA and we renegotiate it. Let's let's do no harm. Let, let's modernize it and keep agriculture in the forefront. You guys and other organizations have said the same thing. There is a big deep concern that they're looking yes. to go elsewhere, and that means dollars out of our farmers' pockets. Exactly, and and I think uh, the U.S. Grains Council has documented that. Uh, that they are they are pulling out of South America or pulling agricultural products out of South America, and and once you lose those markets, they're you know they're hard to get back. We need to we need to be right on top of this and and so, you know Mexico uh, not only corn right now but another speaker I just changed the subject up here on you a little bit, but uh, we talked about the ethanol market uh, and the growth in the ethanol industry and the ethanol market in Mexico this morning and. Uh, a lot of great potential there, and we're, we're on track to, to really move a lot of corn bushels via ethanol into Mexico. Comments from Nebraska and Alan Team and Alan, of course, past chairman of the U.S. Grains Council. Now, they are sending a delegation of reporters to Mexico starting on Sunday, leaving out of Corpus Christi, Texas, to learn more about NAFTA and its impacts for the American producer. Be listening for those reports next week. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for our closing grain market analysis. We're going to visit with John Payne, Senior Market Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. He's also the publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So, John, let's talk about today's trade. We managed to hold corn and soybeans on the plus side anyway. Yeah, pretty uh 
pretty nasty price action in the spreads, though. We're still continuing to see September bleed against the deferred contracts, both in uh, in the soybean markets and in the corn. Kind of tells me I think the market is bracing for you know initial waves of harvest that are going to start here over the next six weeks uh, down south. And the southern acres looking pretty good. You know, I think Texas had a decent year. Um, the Delta actually may be their best year ever. So we're going to have a lot of early corn, and that combined with the uh, you know, the old crop selling, I think, are, are going to keep prices somewhat sideways to low over the next month. But, uh, again, I'd be a buyer more on the 31st, right, that first notice day for September. I think that's when we bought them out. A lot of chatter about the FC Stone number out yesterday on Cord. What did you think of that? I think it's a good number. In 163, I think that's where they were, right around that level. Um, you know, it's a good place to start. I, I, I follow them. I think they were a little bit thinking of a a little bit above that going into it, so it maybe surprised the market. But, again, I think the market right now is not about new crop production. I think it's about clearing old crop bushels. And that'll be the, the you know, that new crop kind of comes into vogue here after the first of the month, uh, and speaking September 1st, given the uh, the end of the marketing year, and then we'll be into to next year. So I think we can we see a lot of producers clean up what they have over the next 30 days, and then I think the basis comes in, and I think the board even has a pretty good shot of rallying there as the fourth quarter starts. So maybe real no uh, big surprises before August 10th. I don't think so. And I don't think we'll get a big surprise on August 10th either. I'd be real shocked if they're below 165. I think given the condition numbers and, and where they were relative to trend, I mean, a, a 2 to 3% knockoff of trend is probably makes sense. So you factor in a 164, maybe a little bit of weaker demand. You've seen that carry out near $2 billion. Um, but, again, it's the amount of bushels in hand in the short term that are, are concerning me, not how much uh, is going to be around, say, come October 1. I think... You know, very similar to the last couple of years, we, we kind of bottom out there, end of the marketing year, and then, uh, you know, make the market work for those bushels as we get into the new marketing year. All right, let's wrap up on wheat. Kind of an interesting trade today, just lighter volume. Is that what the volatility was about? Yeah, just continued selling. I, I'm, I think we're kind of there. I I would think we're, we're you know, close to the low. Um, we've seen Kansas City really work higher versus Chicago in the last couple of days. That tells me liquidation still going on. Funds still have a decent position relative to where they've been, but I think the spring wheat story is going to begin to take over again once this Wazoo report comes out. So I'd be a buyer of wheat. I think there's a lot of upside there, but uh, you might have to handle 10 to 15 cents of downside if you get in now. John Payne, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com for his contact information. This is the Rural Radio Network.